This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to another episode of All Things Considered CX. I'm your host, Bob Asman, the founder of Innovative CX Solutions, a past chairperson of the CXPA, and a practitioner with many years of transforming global operations and designing better customer experiences. Together with our guests and listeners, we seek to discuss, challenge, and create new understanding about how to inspire better experiences in response to ever-changing customer expectations. Hello, this is Bob Asman, and welcome to another episode of All Things Considered CX. Today's guest is Sarah Bridges. Sarah and I go back more years than we care to admit, and I think having her on my podcast at this point in time is really great because, as you'll learn in just a few seconds, her background is really applicable uh, in current situations that many CX professionals find themselves in during this pandemic crisis. So welcome, Sarah. Please introduce yourself to our listeners. Well, it's great to be here, Bob, and really exciting to work with you on the podcast. Uh, What I do and the way that we met are all entwined. I am a neuropsychologist by training. And I'll say as a side note, in case that sounds really impressive, as my middle son said once at a teacher conference, She's a doctor, but not the kind that helps people. (laughs) And hopefully I do help people in companies. I do coaching and assessment. I also have a degree in business. And my work is really helping leaders to be effective, helping people figure out the right role for themselves, stay motivated, get different kinds of results, and so on. Oh, that's great, Sarah. And I think our listeners will realize uh, why I'm having you join us today. So let's jump right into the, to the subject. Uh, so, Sarah, early in the pandemic, when um, the country and the globe uh, shut down, uh, many CX professionals worldwide were impacted adversely. Organizations chose to suspend programs or eliminate them entirely. And of course, that impacted CX professionals who were making great progress in some of those organizations, but uh, that the organization had different priority, for example. And so in the recent past, we've had a guest come on to talk about the importance of building a strong profile on LinkedIn if you're uh, seeking another role, or for those people that are still employed in the customer experience profession, How do they continue to build those networks and and grow their careers? And then we also had an executive recruiter talk about career development, uh, searching out either new jobs or being rehired after layoff. And so what I thought we could begin with is a little bit of your thoughts on uh, how can CX professionals deal with the impact of a job loss or a career search or you know, trying to advance their career if they're currently employed. And let's just kick it off with some of your thoughts about, about how they can address and, and manage through these difficult times. Well, and they are <laughs> difficult times. And I think it's really interesting with you sharing that one of the first areas organizations cut 
under stress is customer service. And I would have people mentally run a parallel to their own lives that when we're under stress, often the first thing we cut out are the very things that are most critical to our well-being. So customer services for organizations, for individuals, that's often things like the social time with other supportive people, that's time in hobbies, that's time in exercise, in reflection, and so on. And it's a funny thing we do as humans and we do as organizations that we often cut the thing that's most critical. So A, I really would want to underline to people that there's some importance in compartmentalizing what's happening. This is not about you, your worth, what's happening. Sadly, this is almost predictable in terms of what we do under pressure. If, we, if I'm talking to someone who's currently unemployed or looking for a job, a thing to think about is that when we're under pressure as we all are with the pandemic right now, we easily go into backup thinking and a fight or flight kind of thinking where we're just focused on the task at hand, we're feeling a bit anxious. And the issue is it tends to really, um, it tends to really narrow how we think about things. It's hard to be creative when we're highly stressed. So in a funny way, the first piece of advice I'd have is that we've got to start with our own oxygen mask, just like flying on a plane, that to be our best out of work and be ready for opportunities or job hunting, the very first thing we need to focus on are those habits and routines that keep us feeling healthy, restored and supported. And secondly, to realize the effect this kind of stress or anxiety can have, certainly across the country and world, but also if we're currently unemployed. And there's times when going big picture are helpful and thinking of all the things that might happen. There are times when zeroing into right now are helpful. And the latter is what we wanna do now. Zero in, chunk it down take it day by day, be able to track our milestones so that we can feel a sense of progress and really be having that support group around you who will cheer you on in this. So Sarah, I find it, those, those are some great comments to kick us off. I find it interesting that your first comment about in times of stress, we, we give up those routines or habits that we, that we found reward in. So exercising, for example, Um, how how do you kind of recover from that? How do you reverse that problem? I I find it intriguing that that's our reaction, but then once we realize it, how do we then kind of re-engage that? Of course, the quick answer would be start exercising again, but how do we kind of address that and realize that we've lost our routine? Absolutely. And I think that has been one of the hardest part, even whether people are employed or not with the pandemic, with school kids home. We humans really like our routines. It gives us a sense of control and certainty. And when the world outside is very disrupted, it's more critical than ever that we keep those going. So in terms of starting those habits again, let's use exercise. I think of a couple of things we know that are science-backed from psychology. One is we want to break it down and get very concrete. When I work with coaching clients, it's not, I'm going to start exercising. We get nitty gritty. You know, Tuesday and Thursday, 
uh, after I get my kids set up and work, and after I've worked a few hours, I'm going to take a break. I'm going to do, you know, 30 minutes on the treadmill. And when I'm done, I'm going to email a friend who's my accountability partner. Uh, when we can do something with someone else that adds accountability, a person in your family, a friend, if there's someone and you live in a warm, warm enough climate, a lot of places uh, we can go to gyms and head out and meet someone there safely. So thinking about accountability, specificity, uh, getting it into a very small little bite-sized chunk and then getting going. And the interesting thing is resuming a habit, we get it. That's a way you can sense some progress right now. Um, whereas when we're job hunting or even feeling stressed in our job, it's hard sometimes to see forward movement. So I'd really encourage people to pick some small things they can start making headway, especially things that make us feel good like exercise. So don't try to recover all the routines and habits at once, but I, I like, I like your highly scientific term of chunk it up, right? <laughs> That's it. right. That's a grad school term. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, that's good. Well, that's the old adage, right? How to eat an elephant one piece at a time. Well, right? it's, there's a lot of wisdom in that. And when I hear people, I'm going to start running every day, I'll tell them that's a bad goal. Mm -hmm. You know, if we haven't been doing it because it's too easy to start strong and drop off and then feel even worse about ourselves. So in a funny way, it sounds counterintuitive, start really small. Do mm -hmm. the smallest step you can towards that goal that you will achieve and get some kind of accountability, someone who supports you, cheers you on, a friend, a colleague, there's apps that you can do to track accountability, but our brains get little dopamine hits of the feel good hormone dopamine when we do something that shows progress. So let's figure out how to do that. That's really interesting about the accountability side of it too. So. Uh, when, when we're talking about, you know, perhaps a, a job search um, and somebody's already under stress, they've lost their job, they, you know, they have this urgency to get another job. Um, how do people, you know, make sure that that stress doesn't come through in a job interview or in their network? Is there any techniques that you can use to kind of self-talk so that you're ready for an interview when it happens? I think that's a really great point. So there are things we can do. And I often think the coach, I, the way I can be the best coach to someone is to help them change the coach in their head, seriously. Um, because we tend to be really hard on ourselves. So that's one element. But I'd even start with a, a step before that, which is really getting to know yourself in terms of when am I at my best? Uh, is it a certain time of day? Is it when I've exercised? Is it when I've eaten? You know, sleep is critical. So getting ourselves set up so the stress, the baseline stress is lower. Uh, and then as we go into something, really thinking through and framing this in terms of this is a chance for me to really connect, to network, to learn um, and putting a little less focus on, I've got to hit a home run right now and really dazzle this person. People like to talk about themselves. They like people who are learners. 
They will be interested in hearing about you, but taking a little pressure off, it's kind of, I have one shot at this. That's great. And let's talk about coaching for just a minute. And, and in full disclosure to uh, our, my listeners, uh, Sarah and I had a coaching relationship. Uh, and, and by the way, it was, it was so long ago that coaching was viewed only as for people that needed help uh, in leadership roles, as opposed to an outstanding development opportunity. And so I, I was really a convert to the whole concept of having a coach to really help build your leadership skill set and, and develop as a more effective leader. So talk a little bit about coaching and, and where it's at today and, and how people are utilizing coaches, as you said, to, to help you through this process. Well, I love the background you gave. So when I started coaching about 20 years ago, I'll give you a for instance. I went into a company and the coachee seemed fairly uh, negative about getting a coach. And then I learned that what they called our program was coaching for consequences. You know, that doesn't really get someone revved up to participate. The good news is today it has swung so far that in a huge majority of organizations in which I work, people are more nervous if they're not assigned a coach. It is seen as something that the company does to invest in you, to make you even better, to keep you growing, to stretch you, to get you promoted. So it's come full circle and that's really healthy. You know, coaching itself, it's, um, it's not an experience where I would come in and tell you what to do. Coaching is a process of partnership where me or any coach that you work with uh, really works through asking questions and often expanding the range of possibilities that you are looking at in terms of how you might approach a problem or your career. And secondly, because we humans, and this is neuropsychology, because we have something called a negativity bias, we tend to zero in on what we're not good at and forget that what makes us successful at work isn't what we're not good at. It's all of the strengths that we bring. And so a coach will help us not over-focus just on problems or one piece of negative feedback, but also say, how can we expand all the good, all the strengths you bring, the experience you bring, and apply them even more broadly? And it, I imagine it's so easy if you've been adversely impacted with the pandemic through a loss of job or other impacts within your family, maybe a fellow family member lost their job, that, that you would tend to dwell on the negative. But your point about coaches can help you dwell on the positive, I would imagine then can help you if you're in the job market or if you're currently employed trying to advance your career, it turns that around to a much more positive approach to both. Am I right on that? You are totally <laughs> right on that. And there's two benefits. One is personal, that there are decades of research on optimism and people uh, who tend to look at things, not just Pollyanna, but saying, for instance, if I have a setback, even a hard one, like losing a job, that this is not something that's permanent. This is not something that's pervasive. Every part of my life is bad because I lost my job. 
It's not something that's personal. It's because I'm awful. That's why I lost my job. And instead, in a healthy way, can frame it, this is a setback. Um, and it's a challenge. You know, if I say that hard things are happening for me versus to me, I have a totally different feeling about them. But the other side of the attitude piece and leveraging strengths and being optimistic is that our attitude is a huge driver to everything from our promotions to our ratings from 360 to our ratings from customers. So there is a positive effect that's quite expansive when we get help and reframing and making sure we're accounting for the positives and making sure we're not over-identifying with setbacks. That's, that's a, a great context and advice that you provide. Sarah, interestingly, and, and I don't know this about other professional uh, organizations, but in the CX uh, profession, there's various studies that suggest that CX professionals last only between maybe 18 to 24 months in their role. And then they become discouraged. They become frustrated with not being able to make significant progress in advancing customer experience within an organization. There's a variety of reasons. Sometimes they're thrown in uh, to the role because they're a good project manager and they don't know much about CX. So it's a, a learn as they go. Um, what, what advice might you give or what, if you were coaching individuals in these roles, what might you share with them to try to avert this very short tenure and, and look towards it being a much longer and more rewarding career than 18 to 24 months? Yeah, that is really interesting. And I did not know that research. And what I think about with it is, is that there's no such things as events and reactions. There are events perceptions, which means the meaning we make of them, and then reactions. And I'd be really curious to reframe and rethink the meaning attached to the work we're doing. If it's I punch a clock or I do this many customer calls, at some point as you become an expert, that may become rote, boring, etc. Um, if there's a different meaning attached to it in terms of I am going in and I am the front line of the organization solving problems. And also, as I do all these calls, looking for patterns that I can lift up to the organization that we could fundamentally be shifting. I'm a problem solver. I feed brand new fresh ideas forward, et cetera. And I'll give you a, for instance, I different industry, but I was working with a hospital that was trying to change client experience. And they wanted everybody really engaged, but as is very frequent, having trouble getting people connected to that. And then I met Lewis. And Lewis uh, was technically a janitor on the cleaning crew. And he worked on a wing with folks that were in persistent comas. And Lewis was full of life. And I asked him as I was, everybody, what, what is your job? And he said, I'm a core member in helping the patients recover. And I said, oh, really? Well, tell me more. And it, you know, he shared with me, he, he cleaned their rooms. And I said, tell me um, how you help the patients heal. And he said, well, 
you know, I could go in and just mop the floor or dust or change the wastebasket, but I like to move around the objects. I have even changed where the pictures are hung because I feel like with the patients, many of them have their eyes open, that having some difference, having things to look at really spurs their recovery. That was someone who'd found meaning in his work. And so it's that kind of thinking, how do I make this into a challenge? How do I think differently about what I'm doing, et cetera, that can make a difference in how we feel about it? Wow, what a powerful story about Lewis. Um, and such a great one to exemplify what a difference you can make at any level in the organization. Yeah. Uh, it, that's so, so powerful. Um, you know, uh, Sarah, switching gears a little bit, I, I just read an article or a news item or something that said, um, in addition to all the stress we're experiencing during the pandemic, that because we're on Zoom so much, that people aren't used to looking at themselves all the time. And so now there's this whole host of other challenges that people are encountering because they're looking at themselves saying, oh, I didn't realize my hair looked that way or that my face looked that thin or, or fat or whatever the, whatever the <laughs> issues were, right? So it's like we, we just keep getting more and more problems um, uh, as we continue in this pandemic. Hopefully there's some light at the end of that tunnel. But for, for you know, kind of some final words of advice that you give people to manage through this employed or unemployed, impacted negatively or positively the pandemic, what are some thoughts that you have along those lines that, 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 that benefit our listeners? What I would say to you as a psychologist is happiness is not a goal. It is a byproduct and it's a byproduct of habits. And we know a whole lot about what makes us feel good, even when the outside world is really, really tumultuous. And it has to do with our connections to other people and investing in those, talking with them. It has to do with gratitude, not just a blanket, thank you for my food, but jotting down three concrete specific things a day that are good. And it may be the absence of things. No one in my family has gotten uh, ill during this pandemic. It has to do with physical movement and doing that consistently, whether we like it or not. It has to do with taking some reflection time. There are free apps like Headspace, doing a five or 10 minute meditation and sticking with it. These kinds of things build up our immunity in difficult times. And then we reach higher in our own range in terms of job hunting or performance. So I'd encourage people to think about those kinds of things and even build one into your life. That's great, Sarah, and, and, and words of wisdom for sure. If, if our conversation has sparked some additional interest from our listeners, how might they get in touch with you? A website or, or ways to get in contact with you? Oh, I would love to hear from anyone listening. Our website is my name, sarahbridges.com. And I have an H on my name, sarahbridges.com. Or you can reach out to Sarah at sarahbridges.com. Oh, that's great, uh, Sarah. And we really appreciate you taking the time on this important, uh, to talk to us about this important subject uh, as 
as not only CX professionals, but um, individuals uh, across the across the world deal with this pandemic and the stresses that come with it. So your your approaches and your uh, thoughts and advice and counseling, I think, go a long way to help advance uh, how individuals can deal with it. So we certainly appreciate uh, your time today. Oh, it was my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. You bet. Um, so thank you to Sarah Bridges for joining us for another episode of All Things Considered CX. To our listeners, if you've enjoyed this podcast, please share it with your networks and also stay tuned for additional episodes of our podcast uh, coming to you on a regular basis on a variety of subjects that are important to customer experience professionals. Thanks for listening to this episode of All Things Considered CX. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your colleagues. Subscribe to our show, follow me on LinkedIn, and visit my website at InnovativeCX.com for more insights on creating better experiences. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit CXofM.org for more resources.